0: hello dear listener of the gestalten podcast my name is martin Groschwald, and i would like to welcome you to yet another episode of this absolutely fantastic recording of the transportation design or creative design world And in this week's episode, I had the pleasure to welcome Jeremy Offen, who is the chief design officer for a lovely little company called Arrival. And you might have heard of Arrival before. They have done a pretty nicely looking bus and also a van that had quite a lot of, you know, called up quite a lot of steer in the industry. But also overall, they got quite a lot of investment from companies such as Hyundai but also from companies such as BlackRock, if people are familiar with them. So they have become quite a big deal in this kind of new mobility generation that's happening right now. And Jeremy, interestingly, is not coming from a transportation design background. He's more of an industrial designer, a lot of experience and service design background. And we sat down a little bit to understand what his background is, how his background helps him also to work for a company such as Arrival, how Arrival is run, the importance of also the CEO who is a, a massive influence on on also uh, Jeremy and how he thinks design is run, which was extremely interesting. And uh, I think we never had any, you know, insights like this into a company, especially that young such as uh, such as Arrival. So Enjoy the conversation, enjoy everything that Jeremy has had to say and uh, my few questions that came with that. And we will, of course, link his LinkedIn into the subscription as well, as well as we talked a little bit about Dieter Rams, as well as the um, documentary on Dieter Rams by Gary Hustwood. So enjoy this conversation with Jeremy and myself, Martin Groschwald. Jeremy, welcome to the Gestalten podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on board. And uh, first of all, I hope you're doing well.
1: Yeah, very well. Thank you uh, for inviting me.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, something that has been around for, I think, four years now and has made quite a bit of waves over the past few months and few years through you know, products that you guys have developed, but also investments that you, that you guys got. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about Arrival. But, uh, before I want to start talking about arrival, I want to talk a little bit about you because you're, you're the CDO. So the chief design officer. But when people, I think in the media, look at arrival, they see your bus, they see your commercial vehicles. But from everything that I do understand is you're not the traditional car designer in that kind of sense. What's, if you, if you can give a little bit of a background and how you fell into arrival with, you know, this kind of car, commercial vehicle business. I think that would help us a little bit because that would give us a good idea also how our arrival works.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, well, as you rightly say, I'm, I'm not uh, automotive design trained. I, my background is industrial design consulting. Um, it um, started, I guess, my career started at the back, of, back end of the 1980s. Uh, and I joined um, a fairly traditional industrial design consultancy, worked for them throughout the 90s. Um, and, and and into the two thousands, uh, and then set up my own business. Um, latterly, I I, uh, I joined a, a company called Great Fridays as a, as a design director, and that was a service design business. Uh, and one of the uh, I guess missing parts of the the, the 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 jigsaw was the the physical product. So they were very good on the on the kind of. Uh, the, the 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 digital and the service design aspects of their business, but not so much on the physical. So we really kind of combined all of those efforts together. Uh, and that led to an acquisition by um, an agency, uh, a, a large consulting firm called EPAM, uh, which is where I um, introduced uh, ourselves really to uh, Arrival and to Dennis, uh, our CEO. Um, and that was um, a bit of a, a meeting of minds, really. I think he was coming at the... S- the formation of a rival really was uh, less of an automotive company and more of a technology company that happened to be focused on mobility, and that was, I think, a key, certainly a key draw for me, that they weren't interested in. You know, uh, I know it's a dirty word, but but styling, you know, that wasn't part yeah, of, yeah. That wasn't part of the equation, and that I think is rightly or wrongly been the the uh, what what I guess a lot of the automotive design industry has 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 been. That's the brush they've been tarred with, um, and I think that is now changing. Absolutely, I think there is now much more of a focus on on the on the overall user experience. But but five years ago, when when, we, when I when I first met Dennis, and and he'd already been to visit a lot of the kind of Italian design houses and some of the more traditional automotive routes um, consultancies, and uh, we were coming at it from a completely different perspective. So we were a service design business um, that happened to have physical product as part of our offering and 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 we approached it um by looking at the requirements of arrivals potential user base now whether that be the driver the operator the passenger the the person who cleans the vehicle at the end of the at the end of a shift these were the sort of things that i was what i was pitching that we would be considering as part of our as our our consulting package if you like and i think that kind of struck a chord with dennis as i say he's he didn't really see himself as a traditional automotive um, CEO. You know, it wasn't that wasn't what he was about. He was he was looking for a sort of transformative uh, approach to a, an industry that had been entrenched in tradition for a hundred years. So, um, actually coming at it from a different approach rather than an automotive design background, I think was something that resonated with him.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, for me, what from from a little bit on the outside, what I always found fascinating about Arrival, but also the collaborations of course that you have I mean like Robo race is part in there, charge cars is part in there, and all these things but um it it never really seemed that there is this kind of you know uh, differentiation between the physical product design as well as the digital product design or the experience design in that kind of sense um is my feeling right that this is the way how you want to handle it, and also, of course, how how do you mix the two? Because I can I can imagine, of course, you will still need to have some kind of transportation designers to help you with the shapes. You will probably be working still with alias modelers because that's how the surfacing is, is is being built and all these things. But how do you mix that? Because that that's always been the massive kind of issue of the the traditional car industry. Is just like you know you have what you mentioned, of course, is the styling guys that are becoming much more involved into design now days because the user experience the customer experience is coming more into that so h- how do you deal with that and obviously you have a little bit of a background but how do you get your new guys coming into the business saying just like look we, we need to do things a little bit differently here uh,
1: yeah uh, i mean you're right i mean the physical and the digital are absolutely intertwined um the i often use the the, the term it, the physical product is 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 the gateway the, it's the portal to a, a wider software based set of experiences and and that word experience, experience design is the glue that holds it all together. So we approach everything, as I say, from the, from the standpoint of the user. uh, And, and then, and to kind of bolt on the the various design disciplines that, that we, we require to facilitate the end result, Um, whether that be industrial design, which I think kind of, You know, industrial designers, as part of our training, we kind of have a very lateral way of of, of thinking about problems. So we we really go back to the nub of the problem. The the the, I guess in service design terms, all the sort of pain points we we start to identify all of those those opportunities to improve a a product and a service. Uh, And then um, laterally, we've we've kind of spun out our experience design team into a separate um, entity. Um, very closely linked, obviously, with with industrial design, but uh, under our new uh, CXO, um, Kwame Yanning, who's come from McKinsey, so another another consulting um, uh, background, uh, and and together, um, f- uh, and, and adding in you know user research and, and personas and, and service design um, protocols, we're able to really kind of frame the, the problem and then and then reframe the solution. So. Uh, and that and that is and that is I absolutely entwined, as I say, between the physical and the digital products working seamlessly. I mean, arrival is I don't know what the actual percentage of but it is, but I think at one point we were sort of seventy percent um, software and and thirty percent hardware. so uh, the 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 emphasis very much was on hardware enabled software services uh, and uh, you know the the physical product is is at the heart of that
0: then let me let me ask you this kind of question we've we've seen of course when because you mentioned the software side we've seen services such as uber we have dd in china uh, we have different kind of local solutions everywhere in the world that are solely based on you know this idea of an app or of a service that can be intertwined with with another app or like with a service that a government offers in that kind of sense what made you think in the sense of it's actually good for us to offer a product with our service rather than just a, a brain behind it, but we need actually, you know, the, the body as well so that this makes, you know, the biggest sense because. As soon as you go into something such as uh, the complexity of a, of a transportation vehicle, you know, doesn't matter if it's a, a van or a bus or a car or whatever, but it's, it, the complexity is so big. Even if you just want to transport something, what made you guys make that step of just like, okay, maybe it's the best to do that? Because that is a big pain that, uh, that you, that you guys uh, build on that.
1: Yeah. And I think, and that, and that, you know, that, that realization has, uh, has grown organically, should we say, from from the beginning of the of, of our of our journey together. Um, but you know, it was always Dennis's vision that hardware was going to be play an important part on this. I mean, we 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 like tangible things. You know, we all as human beings, we we're drawn to those physical objects. I mean, it's I guess if you if you go back to your school days, it, it, your parents have still probably got the little clay ashtray that you made when you were seven <laughs> sitting on, on there pretty much yeah <laughs> they, have, they probably haven't kept the maths equation that you did you know <laughs> it's, I, I think as i say as a, as a human race we're drawn to the the the, the, the tangible the physical uh, and um you know we, we we're not going to get from a to b with with just software you know we, we're still very much about mobility we're still about transporting people but going back to that question of of whether or not we you know see ourselves as an automotive company we're not we don't really i mean we've got we've got more in common with say you know your smartphone um and I guess in the case of the bus it's more in common with architecture you know these are these are spaces for people to you know navigate through and to um, enjoy being in it just so happens that they've got four wheels you know these are these are places of work for a lot of people so understanding all of those requirements and designing that into the the principles that you know baked in at the beginning of the design process was 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 really key um but yeah the 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 physical product was never in question it was that was always going to be at the heart of it
0: in the build-up of the company and you know your teams you just mentioned like you know the the experience team like the more digital side and and you, you split it up because of probably just the complexity that come with each kind of side. It's almost an impossible to do everything together in one group. It uh, also comes a little bit with size. But how difficult is it, especially on the uh, on the product side, on the physical product side, to find the people to, you know, think exactly what you just mentioned? Because, you know, if you look into the traditional transportation, and I'm not just talking about car, but I'm talking about, uh, aviation, you know, I'm talking about two wheelers and all these kind of things. There's still this kind of emotion of like freedom, uh, you know, and what what this product can be and how it can take you from A to B. Um, your point of view seems much more practical in that sense. And I would even say like, you know, one can feel that you're coming not from this very emotional car design background, but maybe more from this very pragmatical uh, product and industrial design background. Uh, how difficult is that to find the right people that can share that with you, um, especially if you do in the end what is still a vehicle and where a lot of probably, you know, applications come from the vehicle design industry.
1: I think the emotion, that a that, that kind of emotional draw for, 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 for our designers comes from actually doing something that potentially could could change the way that we live and change the way that we experience cities. I think a lot of the car designers that I've seen and interviewed and employed are a little bit bored, frankly, with, you know, designing the next supercar or the, or the next uh, SUV, you know, that they, they want something that is challenging to, to, uh, that, that can improve society. And, and I think that's, you know, we're not about making massive claims about um, being, you know, arrogant enough to say we're going to change the world. That's not what we're about. Well, there is. There is a, there is a kind of humble attitude to, to what we do, but it does feel that at the heart of what we do, it has the potential for, you know, big transformative change. Uh, in the way that we live our lives, and and the way that we, uh, particularly, you know, in a in a sort of post COVID world, when we're, we're I know you didn't want to mention COVID, but when, when we when we're you know heavily reliant on on uh, delivery vehicles, for example, you know this this is an industry that is only going to grow go one way, as we as more and more of us shop from home. So um, having the having the opportunity to reframe all of that and to design for a new paradigm is has been something that I think a lot of those traditional automotive designers have really felt quite excited about yes it's not the most glamorous product you know a van and a bus you know on the surface of it doesn't seem like the sort of thing that they, they that, that you're going to get excited about but actually when you drill down to the improvements that can be made through great design on these vehicles and these services that has the ability to transform people's lives and that I think is the thing that excites us.
0: Speaking of the transformation of lives, is that also the the reason why you guys went to London? Because, you know, this kind of mega city is probably the the best kind of growing place for, for a company such as Arrival especially when we talk about commercial vehicles it, it could have probably been easily also been uh, Moscow like you know uh, if, if you go from, uh, from if you come in from a dentist perspective Tokyo uh, maybe even New York but it it probably had to be this kind of mega city right otherwise you know to, to really experience these kind of changes and implementing them also uh, and I, I think your first client was actually the Royal Mail uh, which, which, which kind of supports that kind of argument as well to be in the big cities to kind of implement as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean we we we're, we're fairly agnostic in terms of which city we're in. I mean we're we're in I can't remember at last count what, what, how many cities we we actually have offices in, but we you know we those those that you mention Moscow, St Petersburg, London uh, all over the, all over Europe we have uh, Berlin, we have we have offices Focus on various different aspects of the business, particularly software. For example, is based out in Petersburg and Moscow. Our R and D and engineering is based in Banbury and in London. Um, I mean, we tried basing the, the the main kind of operations, if you like, in the heart of the automotive world in Banbury, in, in, in Oxfordshire in Banbury. But um, we've the sort of people that we were we were drawing didn't, I, I guess align with our ideals and our culture you know we, we were getting a lot of contractors from traditional OEM automotive and they kind of just wanted to do things in the way that they'd already done them and and that wasn't uh, very aligned with 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 where we wanted to be so so moving moving the the HQ if you like to to London meant that we could tap into um, that culture of, of of design thinking, that design led approach. So we were we were we were able to draw people from you know the best design consultancies in the world who are based out down in in, out in London. Um, a lot of the the engineers who kind of wanted to think that way were, were congregating in a in, in that sort of those sort of busy busier metropolis, if you like. And, and so yeah, the 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 idea that we focused our main R&D centers in major cities was, again, more of an organic process rather than a decision-making, you know, a, a concrete decision.
0: From your perspective, you know, as the CDO, you have the product in front of you and then it becomes something as big as a as a vehicle. How did you adapt of like, the development of a vehicle? I mean, like, you know, you can always break it down. If you know the process, everything starts with you know, a creative process, this can be a sketch, this can be, you know, a research trip, whatever you can think of. And then you usually build like a 3D model. And then you do like, you know, in, in the car industry, you do like a quarter scale, scale clay, or you might be doing something in VR and all these kind of things. How did you adapt to the size yeah. from your own personal perspective? Because well, I, I could imagine that's probably one of the hardest ones. Yeah.
1: That, that, I mean, there's a, there's a phrase, don't try to boil the ocean. And I think that probably, <laughs> I think that probably stands us in good stead. You know, we, when we when you when you talk about the size, you're talking about the, the the complexity of it rather than the physical.
0: Yes, yes, yeah, of course.
1: Um, so the 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 idea that you know when we first started, we were designing concepts for a van, a bus, a car, or whatever that might be, and it's one product. You know, so we, we we start off small. We start off in the traditional sense. We start off gathering all those user insights and then developing sketches and and models and CNCing phone models and alias sketch models and into VR and establishing all of the the, the the kind of standard protocols, if you like. And we can do that with a relatively small team, especially, again, coming from a, an, a, an industrial design background where actually, you know, most of that alias work can be done by one or two people. We don't need it 30 people just focusing on wing mirrors or hubcaps, you know? So um, we had a very lean, agile team working very closely with the experience team and with the engineering team and with the software team. And then very, again, organically, that process started to distill itself into the various categories that make up a vehicle. So, you know, the steering wheel became a project. The, um, the, the, the the driver's seat became a project. So out of that one concept, we've suddenly got 100 projects. And that's when you start to scale the team and you build the various different skill sets that you need to, um, you know, articulate that vision, if you like. And um, we, we, we identify... Um, when we need to bring people in now, I think one of Dennis's geniuses is not to not not to grow the team too quickly before we needed to you know for, we, we made the mistake in the early days of, of hiring people that actually spent probably you know a lot of their time twiddling their thumbs thinking why am I here because the time wasn't right to put them in place so um, that that organic growth and understanding when is the right time to develop aspects of a project and when to spin out various parts of that project into separate projects was kind of at the heart of, I guess, getting your head around the, the, the ambition that, of the business and the scale of the business. And that not, isn't just the vehicles that we're designing, by the way. We are designing everything. We, 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 we are looking at all of the components under the, uh, under the floor of the vehicle that you would never see. They're being given the same level of detail and attention as the rest of the vehicle. So all of our components uh, that we're designing are vertically integrated into the entire process. So uh, whereas an OEM will rely heavily on T01 suppliers and try to sort of cobble all of these components into something that resembles um, a a, a neat package, um, regardless of the form factor, we were able to start with that blank sheet of paper and understand what the form factor needed to be to populate a flat floor skateboard, so that these are the sort of think the thought processes that we went through right at the beginning to really understand what the future of designing a vehicle for today would look like and 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 that and that uh, I guess is more akin to say the approach that Apple would take in designing a product you know you take the lid off a off a Mac uh, and and everything is beautifully designed and 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 they 're not just designed like that to look good they 're designed like that so that the form factor can be packaged in the slimmest smallest possible grid if you like that enables the end product to be as elegant and as simple as it as it, as it is and that's very much our philosophy
0: that's very interesting and obviously like you know this everybody knows apple design and they know how how lean they were as well yeah in their kind of setup of especially in the industrial design team how, how do you make sure that the collaboration between the physical product, you know, which is super exciting for a lot of people because they see something, you know, and all, you know, it's, it's something that you can touch, of course. Um, is, is, is on the same level. And, you know, the interaction between the teams, uh, between the physical team and the, and the digital team are kept to the highest standard because, you know, from my personal experience, when we look into the car industry, but not generally just there, but also in like smaller products as well. And this is what also makes Apple so great is that it's almost like the perfect balance of the the, the haptical product as well as the digital product that comes with that. And I think in particular, in what you're trying to achieve, this kind of Let's call it an ecosystem where the the, the car, or like the van or the bus, is is a part of. But this ecosystem needs to be then in, in you know in full collaboration with the product and vice versa, of course, as well. How how do you manage that? How how is that how is that working from a creative process? Because that's you know instead of a hundred projects on the physical side, that probably easily goes up to like a thousand projects in total. Um, with all the complexity comes in.
1: I mean, a lot of this is is has come from Dennis's vision. You know, Dennis is. It, I, I don't want to draw comparisons, but I guess you know if you work for um, Steve Jobs, it would be a similar approach where there is almost this 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 kind of obsessive level of attention to detail, and that filters through the entire business. I mean, it's wonderful for me as a designer to have a CEO that questions everything I do. Pushes me further, and he doesn't do that with me. He does that with everybody across the business, and that and that philosophy, that mindset, has has trickled down through the various levels of management and 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 through the the hires that that, that we have made. You know, these are these are these are fundamental parts of the the individuals that we hire. That, that they have they have to have that mindset. They have to have that that focused that honed. Attention to detail across everything, whether that be you know the software, the hardware, the the, the overall service, the, the the brand, the the packaging, the the way that we sell our products. You know, all of these things are part and parcel of the design process. It's not just about you know, it's not it's not <laughs> again to use another phrase, it's not lipstick on a pig. We're not we're not we're not about just styling things for the sake of it. We're designing every aspect of, of 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 all of our services and all, all of our products and as soon as you you know once you get that drilled in and once you hire people who have that same that 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 same thought focused process then the rest of it kind of falls into place you know yeah you can't you can't you, you can't make assumptions about what the end result is going to be at the beginning of the process you just have to go with it and you have to you have to believe in the people that you've hired that they are going to yes make mistakes, but they're going to be able to get back up and you know get back on the horse and 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 carry on. And um, I think that um, says a lot about the people that we've hired. Is that we've you know we have we have um, made a few kind of you know false starts and we've we've torn it up and we've started we've started the process from scratch again. You know at the beginning of the beginning of the formation of Arrival was a little bit like the formation of a new landmass. You know there was a lot of there was a lot of um, Volcanic activity, should we say, around uh, around you know project meetings, and 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 a, and a lot of lava was was flowing. <laughs> but um, eventually, you know, that landmass solidified, and we've started to get some green shoots, and we we are creating now products that are really aligned with uh, all of those early visions that we that we had as a, as a as a leadership
0: team. How long did that did that take you to to get to that you know own comfort of saying like we? we feel comfortable now that we know what we, what we are, because I can imagine like, you know, with these, with these conversations very early on in the beginning, it's a definition phase, of course, as well It's like, when, when did you all feel like, okay, now, now this is exactly what we want to do. How long did that take?
1: I think, I think it would, I'm probably around two years, I would say. I think when, when we started to see the fruits of the, of our of our initial thoughts. And and also the, the, the sort of people that we were hiring, you know, the calibre of people that we were getting. People were really genuinely excited to join us. And these are guys, you know, we had we had roboticists from NASA who wanted to join us. You know, these are these are these are smart people who could who could work anywhere. But they identified Arrival as being a company that 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 was was to, wanting to to, to change the, the zeitgeist if you like, it wanted to wanted to do things differently. And I think that resonated with a lot of people, and 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 you know the the time that we're in, that kind of transition period between um, combustion engine to electric or hydrogen or whatever the fuel cell that that, 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 um, that wins out in the end, if you like, that that was something of a of a break point, I think, for a lot of people. People started to think actually there is a different way. We don't have to just have a linear production line. We can start thinking about you know these micro factories, and we can start we can start making. A difference in how vehicles are produced and that you know and recycled at the end of their life and all of these things I think fed into creating an overall belief that what we were doing was the right thing and and, and, the, and the path that we were on was the right one and I would say yeah two years before everybody was on the same page.
0: What is your what is your main competing field right now you mentioned already in the beginning already it's uh it's probably not the traditional kind of car industry but you know my my interpretation of what's happening right now and if i look into the bigger cities or like you know some projects that Uh, that i have been involved recently is that the the importance of the cities or counties or you know whatever you want to call it but you know areas that that control parts of the transportation process nowadays it might be with buses and trains and all these kind of things in london we will have tfl in germany we have different kind of systems but are, are they could they become a little bit of your uh, not just only a partner, but also a competition, because I would I would feel like, you know, the big Volkswagen commercial vehicles and stuff like that. Is like, yeah, you know, they, they they are there; they've always been there. But technology-wise, they're they're really not on the same level as uh, as you right now. Whereas with the cities, and let's say their ambition and also their political ambition, that could be something a little bit different and uh, also challenging. Uh,
1: well, I think uh, I think we're working very closely with those cities i, I, I don't necessarily see the the, the, the cities themselves um, you know being the competition um, uh, there are other operators that that will, are clearly you know looking to develop particularly you know in the case of the bus for example the, the, there are other operators who are who are wanting that same piece of the pie but um, i think the offering that we that that we have uh, being such a, a ground up design you know, I mean, for example, take a take an existing bus manufacturer who's trying to get into that same market and is trying to own that same 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 part of that um, that, that ecosystem. Is unless they start with that ground up approach, they're not going to be competitive because their initial um, rationale is to put all the batteries and all the air conditioning, et cetera, in the roof, and that um, means that you, you know what. what one of the key aspects of our user experience in the bus is being able to look up and see fresh air we 've got this entire glass roof so all of those aspects of the user experience um, the the weight of our vehicles the the engineering that's gone into creating a completely flat floor unless you start from that that complete ground up clean sheet of paper you 're not going to be able to compete um, i don 't want to make claims that you know we can 't that, that we're, that we're that we're better than all these guys we're not we're just we just're we're, we're able to just reinvent it from without the legacy so we don't have the legacy of of a, of a traditional business um, but in terms of um, uh, competition from cities all, all we're seeing is you know positive vibes coming from 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 everybody we speak to you know uh, who doesn't want a cleaner electric future at the moment you know this is this is something that isn't isn't a hard sell um, obviously what we need to do now is is deliver on that promise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I agree. And I think the delivery is one of the toughest things to do. I mean, we've seen that with, you know, hundreds of companies and not just in any kind of mobility or transportation sector. This goes down to everything. You know, there's a lot of, uh, positive talk, but it seems like from what you guys have shown so far, you are, you're on the right track. And before we come to an end, um, obviously you will get three questions as everybody, uh, coming onto the show. Uh, but I want to ask you something. You've been with Arrival for, you know, pretty much since the beginning, what was the toughest project you've done? If you're allowed to talk about it, of course, that, uh, that is, of course, but what was something where you were like, well, this could be really difficult if we can make that. But then in the end, the push was there that you say like, whoa, this, this, this was fantastic because in, you know, in a short history of a company, a lot of stuff happens, but there's usually these one or two, you know, moments where you just like, this was, this was game changing for us.
1: I think it's the the as I say the level of vertical integration that we're that we're that we're striving for. Um, it's not any one product itself. It's not the van. It's not the bus. It's not our gearbox. It's not our motors. It's it's about how we combine all of those and and create a, a fully modular system um, and then manufacture it using mo- robofacturing. You know, the, 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 we've not really touched on our on our on our manufacturing processes and 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 how we're looking at. completely reconfiguring how we build body systems for example i mean that was a massive challenge and we knew early doors that we were never going to be able to compete with you know billion dollar suites of tools that that are amortized over a seven-year period to stamp out aluminium body shells because we knew the market would be changing too quickly for us to do that we didn't want to do that so actually engaging in that process and one of the holy grails of the automotive industry, which is redefining how you build bodies, how you make a body system, what do you make it out of, um, was something that we set ourselves the challenge of, and we brought in a, a an amazing materials expert, Rob Thompson, who's who heads up that team, um, and and so so integrating all of that into the process, and 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 as well as how do you how do you assemble these vehicles purely using Automated robots in small micro factory cells, rather than production lines. Um, all of these things are the challenges. So I, I wouldn't say there was any one particular aspect of it that was challenging. It's it's bringing all of those pieces of the pie together to create this 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 product e- ecosystem that we're we're striving for. Is that's that's the big challenge.
0: Well in all kind of cases. Uh, w- oh yeah. By the way, when, when are you guys supposed to bring out the first bus or van is when, when's the first proper rollout when the people can see it on the street as a, um, as, as a finished product.
1: I'm, I'm going to have to defer to <laughs> 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 uh, our, our, um, our, our sales and marketing team on that one, but, but we are working towards next year for, um, you know, for delivery of, of our first, of our first vehicles, um, to UPS, for example uh they will be still at um a prototype level.
0: Okay, cool. And where can we find them is that clear already? Is like are they going to be in 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 the UK or are they going to be in the US? Is there any any word on that already where we can see them on the street?
1: Um certainly the UK and the US are the two two main markets that we're targeting, but yeah, we've got we've got um we've got a lot of inroads into in, in into into many of the, the local city authorities across the world. So, um I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't just hold us to those two cities.
0: okay so before i let you go three questions that uh, every guest on the podcast gets two of them are very general when it comes to design so you will not have to focus on anything one of them is a car question Um, but it's going to be the fun car question Um, question number question number one which project that you have not been part of in your career would you have absolutely loved to participate in this could be anything you want
1: I think, and again, this is playing on my industrial design background, I think it would probably be the original iPod, um, and not just because of the physical product, but because of the user experience and because of the complete paradigm shift in how we now consume music because of that product and, and, and the service that was attached to it, i.e. iTunes. So thinking of the entire, again, this ecosystem, that the product was at the heart of it uh, must have been really exciting to have such an impact on on consumer behavior and, and to as I say change that, that, that way we, we consume music um, all through the, 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 the physical interactions with a beautiful object uh, I think you know it doesn't get better than that
0: yeah and also of course changing the the buying behavior that comes with that I think you know it's not just about uh, you know the product itself it's about the software that comes with it which was iTunes but let's be honest I think back in that day a lot of people were legally downloading music uh, <laughs> as well but having a legal kind of downloading place that's uh, where you can spend your money and you can and I think the biggest change for me was the the single song that you can just buy one song of an album um, you know based on that I mean well, uh, making, that, that making was incredible
1: making the user experience so compelling and so good that people didn't want to download for free anymore, you know, yeah. off, off Napster or wherever, which was a frankly, you know, terrible experience. Not that I ever did it, of course, but um, you know, having having that as a as a as a dashboard, if you like, to to bring all of those pieces of that pie together and be able to download your music in such a um, you know intuitive uh, experience was um, was a real game changer, and something that Apple obviously have always done.
0: Yeah yeah true true all right question number two which creative person now this could be a designer could be a businessman anything that you have or have not worked with um or in your career has had the most profound impact on your career
1: Yeah, uh, this is going to be another obvious one i'm afraid but um it's uh it's dita rams um you know i I, I've struggled to think of somebody who else, somebody else I could I could use as an example, but um, the, the 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 integrity that he went about improving the products that he designed was um, beyond reproach. I mean, the, the 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 ten principles that he put in place are still as valid today as they were back in the sixties when he wrote them. I mean you know, good designers, as little design as possible is, 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 is my, is my, I think it's our mantra at at arrival. It's, it's, it's reducing a product to the essence of its simplicity so that it becomes so intuitive as to how you understand how you use it, whether that be the physical product or the service. That's something that I don't think anybody before Rams really had put to paper, you know, they would not embodied that, that, that principle before. I mean, I think, you know, you look back at, some of the Bauhaus architects, Walter Gropius and the like, and and they were doing similar things with furniture and with and with um um uh, and with architecture. But but I, I think it took I think it took Dieter Rams to really hone all of that into one distilled set of principles that we still adhere to today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you seen the? Uh... The documentary on him from yeah. uh, Gary Husband, yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I think that sums him up very nicely. You know, also in his character and, and yeah. how he, him as a person. Oh, I think guy. he, yeah, yeah, he he captured it very nicely. To all the listeners, if you haven't seen that one yet, we'll we'll link that into the show notes. But uh, it's a fantastic little, uh, little documentary about Dieter. Um, all right, last but not least. Now this is the car question. If I give you a blank check, what car would you buy?
1: Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound like a plug for our sister company, but I think it would be the um, new electric Mustang that charge a building. Um, I, You know, there's something about, and and I was one of the detractors. When we first, when Dennis first mooted this idea that we were going to take these classic cars and convert them to electric, I was thinking, mm. that's sacrilege. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not wrecking old Mustangs. You know, we are buying, we're buying um, licensed body shells from Ford and we are converting them and we are building better vehicles out of it and and you could still get the you know the beautiful aesthetics of of the original mustang from it um and and i think on the flip side of that I, it feels to me like a lot of cars regardless of whether they're ferraris or maseratis or bentleys they 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 feel like they're a bit of a relic at the moment i don't i, mean, I you know and i'm i'm a guy who's entrenched in in this industry so i'm bound to say that but there isn't uh, there aren't there aren't too many cars that excite me at the moment. You know, I, I love the form factor of those early cars. And, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. If somebody somebody parked a Dino in my drive and said, this is yours, I'd be over the moon. But <laughs> there is something about what we're doing with, with, you know, converting these these amazing you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting a high performance electric supercar and you're getting the 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 the, the aesthetics of a, of a 60s classic
0: and it's it's a trend in general, I mean you know this kind of you, you see the retro modding and you can you can always ask the question how far you can go, but look at the look at the success of singer, for example um that are of course rescuing a lot of old Porsches as well I mean they're completely rebuilding them pretty much yeah Daniel, and bring a big,
1: in- uh, big hand in that who's designed our, our our rubber race vehicle, yeah absolutely
0: yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Daniel is another very interesting guy that we can talk about at some point in the future, of course. But, uh, you know, he's not the traditional kind of car guy anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he's very vocal about that as well, that he's, he doesn't want to be that kind of person. And I think and, a lot you know, of that has
1: been born out of his relationship with Dennis as well. I think he would admit himself that, you know, Dennis has really impacted on how Daniel sees the future of, of, of automotive.
0: I I can agree, and like I said, I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan still of all the, the the old 60s and 70s cars and stuff like that, and yes, I do like the sound of a nice. A nice big V8, uh, especially from the American ones. But the question is always just like, how can we preserve these kind of cars? You know, like if you look if you look up in the next 50, 60, 70 years and we really get to the point of where you have no more petrol that you can put into your cars because it's just not required anymore and the petrol stations are not there, how are you supposed to run them? So we need to kind of find ways of preserving them for the long-term future um of course as well and i think you know what what you guys are doing is of course uh you know very from the ground up because you know you get the full body shell and stuff like that but this can be easily be adapted to uh, to older cars as well that uh, might not be reproduced anymore and stuff like that uh just think about old ferraris you know old astons those kind of things i mean the the the, the possibilities are endless um in in that sense but all right jeremy thank you very much for taking the time it's been an absolute pleasure uh To have you giving us a little bit of an insight on on arrival, yeah and
1: with mine, thank you very much for inviting me
0: yeah, and I think you know we can uh we can all say and i can I can speak for a lot of our listeners we're we're rooting for you guys to really push forward because I personally think the the products are super clean they're super simple and i I personally do enjoy that a lot, and uh, I'm really looking forward to finally see them on the street very soon and uh, yeah keep keep on pushing and uh you know keep on keep on challenging everybody that's around you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Take care.